way back. Uh, his name is Dustin Sendejas. We've um, we've had a lot of uh, musical adventures together in, in the form of um, me playing my solo stuff and Dustin being in a variety of bands, including but not limited to uh, the Poconos, um, Scuff, Clock Tower Showdown, Arts and Sciences, the Transatlantic, and I'm sure a couple more that I'm forgetting. But um, those are all the ones I remember. I guess Starscream right there at the beginning, but I guess we we oh, we yeah. never uh, we never toured in the. We're, but we did play a couple of shows together, like in St. Louis and probably southern uh, Southern Illinois and stuff too. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think Southern Illinois. That was definitely in my like still kind of learning phase. You know, where a song that you write uh, one day can sound like a song you write later can sound worlds different. You know what I mean? Because you're still like right really figuring the whole thing out. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> but, um, it's a good and exciting time, I think. Yeah, so uh, yeah. We'll, we'll link to some of your uh, tunes and stuff um, in the in the description. But, um, oh, I appreciate that. Dustin's also involved, uh, has been involved for a long time in sort of like the Magic the Gathering world and That's also uh, has a podcast of his own called Micro- Microphone Therapy, which you can find on um, on uh, on YouTube. And I'm sure, yep. I don't know, if it, do you have it anywhere else, like on Stitcher or anything? Nope, nope. I haven't okay. really wanted to make it a thing. I just kind of throw it up on YouTube for whoever right. yeah, might it's be good, interested. The YouTube good channel look. is um, Dustin Seth one That's my yeah. YouTube name. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll get all the links there and stuff. It's a great, it's a great, uh, like a uh, little podcast and a good uh, format too. I think um, yeah. it's fun to listen to sort of your inner thoughts too. And you know, I should say, um, not to sort of toot my own horn here or anything, but uh, it did sort of correspond with the beginning of this podcast that you're listening to. Um, it sort of spurred a little thing to where, like, I was trying to do um, ten minute uh, podcast a day there for a while, and um, yeah. You didn't want to do that exactly, but you just thought like the, that sort of uh, just talking to a microphone or your phone or whatever for a little bit, of, uh, you know, every once in a while. It was like a good thing to do. So uh, that that was pretty yeah. exciting when you got that going because it was like, yeah, I, I was um, I was telling my wife the other day that um, particularly with music, but I guess also with the podcast, and I would say maybe as a general rule for myself. Uh, I always thought since I was younger, when I kind of first started playing music, which I guess was right right around the time that we met, um, mm-hmm. was that um, if, if I could uh, if I could light a, a fire in somebody else to do something that was uh, encouraged them to do something in the way that like when I saw a band play um, and I would get really excited about what they were doing, you know, if I could be that yeah. to somebody else in any way that was mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of the ultimate the ultimate goal with that. Or or at least one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. I I was definitely inspired by um how you were doing things. It's funny because when you started posting them, um I I was actually really happy to uh to listen to all those little you know, eight to twelve minute episodes because uh it, you know, we were only in the same town as we've joked about for you know, like exactly one day. Um, <laughs> so it was like Oh, this is like getting to uh, getting to talk to John, and then of course the the next thought that I had was, well, I like I could always just call him, but then I realized 
read after that that there was something different in the experience about hearing you kind of like unwind your thoughts rather than to have rather than to just call you and be like hey what's up I felt like yeah. I, I would certainly think something different by listening to that that I kind of uh, that I, I enjoy a particular way it, it was like kind of like getting to talk to your brain directly you know rather than just uh, rather than just in the way a conversation would normally go so yeah I, right. uh, during that time my car was broken down and I was always listening to uh, to what you would post like walking back and forth to the you know like the grocery store and stuff yeah, that's really cool yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a good um that's a good length for driving length into something for driving to the grocery store, you know? Like maybe ten minutes there. And yeah, then yeah. Well, I, like I said, I was, I was I was walking, but it was very close. Oh, oh walking, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? When I lived in Nashville too, uh, my car broke down for a period of like I don't know, a little while. And you know, fortunately there there's like there's like Uber and, and um like that. Which was yeah. great, but um, <clears throat> I was definitely walking a lot of places, particularly to work, which was like a little over a mile away, and it was like mm-hmm. in the winter when that was going on. So for just a couple of months there, I would just get up every day, walk, walk that just distance to work. And it's kind of funny how, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny how our 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 lives corresponded in some of those just like crumb bum hobo ways, you know, yeah. like from yeah. time to time, or at least it kind of comes and goes in waves, you know, we have these uh, periods of relative luxury and then sort of <laughs> like, you know, to a, a, um, what is that, that thing called the regression to the mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just sort of survival, you know, do what you got to do. Uh-huh. Uh, way of living it's like we, we live on we live on life credit for a little while and then then we get our come up and uh, <laughs> right right i i yeah i just i just got hit by by another one of those waves like two days ago so i'm in the middle of of dealing with uh just more of that you know more of that more of that crumb bum trying to figure out a couple of situations although i will admit that i have i think you deserve more credit in surviving them uh, in the sense that I, I think I've, I was, I was born with, with like relative advantage like not super rich, but just in terms of like home life that were provided for me, you know, not that you were thrown out in the cold, but I, right. I guess I'm just trying to say like, I think I'm in a very small percentile of people who started off in like a, a pretty advantaged way. You, I guess you could say "quote unquote" privilege, but that has like a political connotation nowadays. Right. And I'm not really trying to invoke, but like, you know, advantaged. Um, and yeah. So, so I think I think I less so than most people, um, you know, have an excuse for for dealing like I should be able to deal. You know, is what I'm saying. Right. Like like any 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 bed I'm lying in is is more or less of my own making. I mean. Right. No. Not that I wasn't yeah. done dirty by a public institution or two, but <laughs> right. I, I still, you know, I think I think I started off with a lot more than most. So it, it, it at least helps me to maintain some amount of perspective that I, I don't feel like gods are smiting me when things happen. You know, it's just like, well, my my like joy equity is it's, it's probably a lot of that there. So I, I guess I'm I'm due for a 
smacking from time to right, time. Right, right. That's interesting. That's that's uh, that's an interesting perspective. I be I think because I was um, maybe dropped into a situation of I don't know, not like not like uh, abject poverty or anything, but it was maybe a little right. more uh, hardship in my upbringing. Uh, like it makes the um, like now that I'm sort of in a dip, like this different uh, life stage, I would say it makes the yeah. rewards of sort of um, scrapping for a um, for a living and making like a little bit more money than I than I have been um, in my in past years doing the music thing. Um, it, it's like it's more rewarding in a way, you know. It doesn't like it doesn't. It yeah. feels like a new a new thing altogether, you know, um, which is yeah. uh, cool. And I and I've found actually one one. Um, one uh, observation that I've made about the people that I've uh, that I work with is that everybody who has this really uh, strong sort of drive uh, in the workplace, like where I am, um, yeah, they all have come from like poor backgrounds and have sort of like a couple of common denominators of um, of uh, um, traits, I guess you would say sort of like upbeat um i i don't know if 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 that's like a if there's a causal link there or uh um, yeah. or what but it's interesting you know just like kind of try to unpack some of that just in conversations with like let's say the other managers there and stuff mm-hmm. um, well, have you ever heard i think um i think i heard Molyneux was the first one to use this phrase the uh rags to riches to rags have you heard him say that before yeah 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 yeah, it's uh, rags to riches to rags in generations. I think it's it's like he usually refers right. to it as a generational thing, but it's it's right. interesting yeah, that's, to that's see that. I mean. Right, it's interesting to see that arc in in your even in individuals' life. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of right. like kind of where we you know you this been in like a little bit and been like uh, more uh, succinct than that. We both of us have shared. Um, these little, I guess, vignettes or microcosms of of that phenomenon in like mm-hmm. within a span of like two weeks, you know, like when we've been out. Yeah. Of I remember one time in particular. I think you and I were in um, Oklahoma, yeah. and we we slept in a park, and we were woken up yeah. by police officers that day or something. Right, and then yeah, we, there was no you know, there was no camping in the park. And what I what I recall about that too was. <laughs> Uh, it was like between certain times and he woke us up literally like like four minutes before the time expired where it was now going right. to be okay to be like what are you anyway go, go on right. yeah yeah I remember and then the the like so then you know we're sleeping in in a car in the parking lot of Walmart and just and then the next right. day we drove to Arkansas and we stayed with our friend um um our friend's grandma who lived in, right, like, right, outside of Hot Springs, Arkansas. We're in like, you know, we each have our own king size bed and she makes yeah. us a huge breakfast in the morning. We're, you know, like in this beautiful location in the mountains. And I don't know, it was like that rags to riches thing. And then, you know, I'm sure, I don't know where we were the next day, but it was like the next day it was like, I'm sure back to the rags thing, rags to riches <laughs> to rags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, there, there's a similar, um, I, I've been playing in this band Agi uh, for the last like year and a half or so, mm-hmm. um, 
And even on, like, the runs that I've done with them, this sort of been a similar, like, you know, because they're still growing. It'd be, like, one, the same old, you know, DIY show with, like, mm-hmm. 20, 25 people or whatever that we're accustomed to. And then we did two then we did two dates with Pine Grove where there was just, like, hundreds of people and it was packed. And then <laughs> right after that, just right back to, like, oh, my God, how are we going to get this bus fixed? How are we going to like this is so bizarre. Like, why don't I get to stay in that other place? It was so nice over there. And we're the ones who, like, you know, sneaking back into the green room after most things have been right. cleaned up. And it's like, yo, get, get all the cheese. Get all the granola bars. Yeah. Bring up. You know, they're, like, piling juice right. in our, like, jacket pockets and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a bizarre, it's a bizarre world, like, that there's so much of that. I mean, yes. I guess it is because we live in such a wealthy society. So many people are like part way in entertainment or have some measure of an audience, whether that's music or mm-hmm. like a podcast or maybe they have a YouTube channel or something like that. And so uh, you, can, you can feel like they have a podium one day. And then the next day, in my case, I'm like, you know, delivering Taco Bell to some kid at Vanderbilt at like one in the morning. And it's just like, what? Right. Right. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. But it also applies to me, to be honest, generally, generationally. I mean, not that, not that my parents were necessarily riches, but they went from like, you know, both large families, pretty low income growing up, to like the only ones in their families with college degrees, like solid, steadily, steadily in the middle, middle class, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and really, really um, did well for themselves in that regard, and so, so I guess that was just, uh, you know, enough to be so cushy that I never really had any adversity, and so I, I, you know, I'm trying to squeeze this, this charmed life, like, yeah, uh, affluence on a budget or something. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of like. Um... Well, there, there's always, there's always that kind of trade-off, and that's one of the, I guess you could say, like filters that I've been looking at the world through a good bit lately, is that you know, for every, um, like, like you, like I guess you could say that no, no particular human trait is is um, invariably good or bad, although. I mean, you might be well. Yeah, I guess I guess I could say that as a general truism that like no trait, even even like something like high intelligence is oftentimes associated with more um, anxiety or right. um, yeah. forgetfulness or something like that. Where you know, yeah. like you have sort of you have sort of like more to be concerned with than than your you know like average intelligence like person who's kind of just going through life who could probably reach some a level of like contentment pretty easily if they just approach things in a um I don't know like you know if they have a way to follow and someone said this is what you have to do which I think maybe is where some of that um like societal pressure to say like you know go to high school get college, or high school degree go to college can right it's kind of like this pre-parked path that works pretty well for people of you know like average intelligence or whatever. So you know like content like there that that's the trade-off with that particular trait is that you know in one case you have 
easily achievable contentment. On the other hand, right. you have the advantage of higher intelligence and everything that comes with that, but you're maybe higher anxiety or uh, more prone to depression or whatever, something like that. Or so, I think maybe, um, maybe higher aspirations if... Uh, right. So for people like my parents, um, like stability and some measure of luxury was like uh-huh. a pretty, uh, you know, a high goal. And and they achieved it, whereas mm-hmm. um, for, I guess, like my sister and I, uh, being accustomed to like, you know, just like a comfortable middle class lifestyle, um, you know, I guess you got to move up Maslow's hierarchy and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. I guess I'm right. not going to be satisfied unless I'm you know, in, in like the, you know, whatever, 1% of like career achievements um which which can be burdensome I, there was that scene from fight club if you remember where he's like um there it's when they're in the basement of that bar and he's saying mm-hmm. something like you know we were all told we were going to be rock stars and famous actors but we're not and we're slowly realizing that it kind of i don't know if you remember that scene but th- that sort of has some impact for me because it's like i Growing up, you know, you always hear this. You can. All right. So did we get? Uh, I, the last thing I heard you say was about was about Fight Club, where we were all supposed to be rock stars and or told we were going to be rock stars and. and yeah, yeah, and 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 famous actors and whatnot. Um, you know, but but we're not, and it's like that movie has a more dismal tone, but there's that has some amount of import for me in this. Um, you know, you you always have this mentality, uh, at least I think, for people in, you know, 80s and 90s kind of middle-class America, public school and all of that, the, mm. uh, the you can be whatever you want to be. Um, yeah. Maka, that was repeated a lot. And, you know, there's like an encouragement in that, but I think that sometimes gets distorted into um, – the world owes you money for doing what you enjoy. <laughs> and right. That's a very different statement, you know? So, like, one is pursue your goals, which I think is positive. And then I think the other, it, it can easily be misunderstood as, like, plant your feet in the ground for whatever you like doing the most, you know? And <laughs> even even if you're whatever, your Etsy shop of, you know, knitted mittens doesn't have market value. Like, you can be whatever you want to be, so keep doing it. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. It, I think I think that, that um, the, the distinction there between um, applying that, that uh, bit of, like, encouragement to someone and, and the, I guess, the disconnect between that and the sort of, like, negative outcome that we see in – yeah, arising from that in a lot of ways yeah. is is maybe a, a fail like or a failure to apply it selectively rather than just we're just mm-hmm. going to tell everybody in the world like you know you're I guess it's the snowflake concept like you're this you know you specifically can do anything you want to do to put your mind to but it's like it's more like that maybe that used to be reserved to people 
who, you know, would get, like, who were, like, you know, particularly gifted in one way or another or something, you know? Right, like, right. Where, you know, you know, I don't know, like a tutor or, or you know, somebody's grandfather or something could tell someone with, with uh, without any irony or... <laughs> or something that that they could be anything they wanted to be, you know, and they could go sort of quote unquote conquer the world. Um right. but but uh it's not necessarily um applicable to everybody and and it's uh, it, it all, it's almost um it's almost jokey, you know, if if it's applied to everybody because, you know, yeah. I mean for uh, obvious reasons, but yeah, well, what and, is the the NBA going to have like, you know, 2 million Players like <laughs> right, just, yeah, yeah, and and like half of them look like Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although that league in and of itself might have its own market niche. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the it's, Danny it's DeVito, the, like basketball league. It's called the RPBA, the Roly Poly Basketball Association. <laughs> I like that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, it sort of works on, uh, you know, roly-poly. You think of that, like, people playing basketball? I don't know. So I can kind of relate this to, um, <laughs> hilariously, a uh, a Puddle of Mud song I was listening to last night. Was, awesome. If anyone's not familiar, is a terrible band playing a terrible genre. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine wants to uh, – well, I, I, I don't want to give anything away. Because uh, if the idea obtains, it's going to be pretty sweet. But he's got a project in mind, and it has something to do with you know farming some of this uh, some some of these awful sounds. But I, there was whatever song I was listening to, it was like he just took darts and threw them, you know, at a dartboard that was covered in just phrases because they had really no continuity from one to the other. And I'm connected, <laughs> right? It went from like uh, the first. The first he, he it was this build up, and he kept saying, uh, "Same old shit, different day. Gotta get up, gotta get up." And then shortly thereafter, there was imagery of <laughs> I gazed down this lonely road, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, so so you've gotten up and you're on a road? Is that what's going on now?" And then the next thing is. Uh, some, some, oh man, I wish I could remember what it was. It was something uh, looking down on me or coming down on, or or I, that, that's what it was. It was him looking down on something. I'm like, oh, so you were on the road. Are you looking off to the side of the road now? Or the road is like below sea level and you're looking down on it. So it was, you know what I mean? It's just like phrase, phrase, phrase with no cohesion. Right. <laughs> so to relate that to, to the public school analogy, it's like, um, they, they, these platitudes like you can be whatever you want to be, while at the same time, in the most like regimented conveyor belt of a system, where and I went through the whole damn thing. I mean, if if playing by all of those rules were to equal like success, you know, yeah, then, then I should be I should be maintaining a pretty high socioeconomic status because I did all the things, you know, and I like brave. Right. And I extracurricular, and I went to college, and I degreed, and I deans listed. And then when you're done, you don't actually get anything. As it turns out, you're just done. I'm like, yeah. I said. And then a few years later, 
they send you letters in the mail, the university that is, and ask you for money. So as it turns out, if you never learned anything about like, like all I was accustomed to was like following the, the conveyor belt. And if, if, you, if you never actually learned that you're, you're supposed to take actual knowledge and then use it to make a thing in the world, and then that thing has value to other people, and then since you can do that, they pay you. That sounds, yeah. I know that sounds like so stupidly basic, but honest to God, like that wasn't internalized. I, I probably yeah. kind of said it in an empty way, but it wasn't internalized. And so I was probably like, who knows how old, 28, you know, right. 20, like, right. like it was just conveyor belt the whole time. Well, so it, I think it, that's why, that's why I ended up, uh, well, end up is a strong term, but you know, I, I coined <laughs> back in the, uh, the, the days when we were, driving around a lot together I coined that phrase that I uh that isn't much of a joke that I spent the entirety of my 20s hanging out you know? yeah yeah I mean I, you know I grew accustomed to leisure yeah I <laughs> and so uh you know I, I've been in a few pickles as a result and am in one now let me tell you <laughs> right yeah it's it's almost like can't I can't actually even though, okay, so maybe maybe because I I saw, I guess like my dad and a couple of people around him sort of be like maybe a more industrious or studious yeah. is probably the, more the right word. But also, you know, industrious like mm-hmm. wor- working on something. Like he worked from home for a lot, most the entirety of my like growing up. I remember when I was really young, him sort of like going off to work every day and coming back. Yeah. But then he worked from home for a, a lot of my, like, growing up. And, you know, so seeing him sort of just, like, crack away at something every day I uh, maybe gave me a different, like, perspective or something. But I, aside from it just sort of being modeled, which was definitely helpful, um, yeah. I, I don't remember anyone ever giving me, like, a speech like that. Like, here, here's what it takes to, to like, no, get get your thing going in the world, you know, and and what that means and why it's important or any like anything like that. I a couple of no. like examples even, of people. Here's what market value is. Here's right. what a job is. Here's why a job exists because yeah. people need or desire, which I guess desire is really just a subset of need, but people want certain things, and they either don't want to or can't do those things for themselves. So they pay someone else to do them, and we all do that with each other, and and there you go. Uh, it was more like um, I think the way that a job or a career was conveyed, um, at least to me growing up through both like school and media and whatever, it was more like uh, like your class in D and D, you know, like not not like you're doing a thing because it has market value. You just are a teacher or you are you know in the same way that like you're a cleric or a fighter or a you know a half worker whatever i guess that's a race but you know what i'm saying it's that it's that uh economic determinism that i think goes is sort of goes hand in hand with with the um i guess you could say post post postmodernism you know it's like you belong to this class and therefore you know um, you, you're like you're either oppressed or you're an oppressor, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, it's kind of like. It has, do you think it has a strong ideological root like that? I mean, I'm not. I, I honestly just. I never thought about it. I guess that deeply as to what what the roots of that um, mm. were. That disconnect from actual like productive uh, well, society and actual like ambition and uh, and, and progress. You know. Yeah. I th- well, I mean, like I think at least on on some level, maybe maybe not maybe not like the people like close to you who were conveying or like avoid conveying stuff like that but maybe maybe but i do think it does have there is some component of that because if you're going through the public school system it's you know generally you know lefty like even if you grow up in a even if you grow up in a in a relatively like conservative um, area like um so i i mean i think sort of if you go Maybe for I think generally people are just sort of following their uh, trying to satisfy their their like self interest and stuff and that's fine. Yeah. So it's not like people go into the public school system like rubber rubbing their hands gleefully and like oh I'm going to corrupt these kids' minds or whatever. It's just like like I got to get a job. This seems like a good yeah, thing. Yeah. Get more money than whatever you know. But then like yeah, I don't know. Course. So it's but I think if you do sort of get, right right if you do sort of follow that of um. I don't know what would you say like like um, ideology that that led to that sort of the, the, our current system yeah. uh, mm-hmm. back a little further. There is some it, it does seem like there is some intentional um, like deliberate uh, construction of that okay. model. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. so um, you're likely you're likely correct on that. And then right. and so, once you have people filling those positions, it just kind of takes on a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, and and it's you know the people who aren't suited to it who maybe would be do actually do better in in the free market end up sort of um maybe not being very comfortable in that position anyway and they just sort of leave their own staying there the people that kind of reinforce the the what would you call it like reinforce the the tenets of of that ideology i guess just just de facto yeah that makes sense well, it's um, yeah. I mean, I think it, it it explains why a lot of you know you 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 see these like articles, headlines, whatever about the the state of like the millennial, you know, compared yeah. to what the prior generation could afford on one income. Um, and now, of course, I think in terms of like quality of life, I think that has to be tempered by the fact that we just have, we're, we are, do have technological innovations and we can enjoy the internet and whatever that like, they didn't have a generation ago. But as far as uh, assets that you can compare, like like what um, level of income it took to like afford a house or right. support a family and all of that, um, I've anyway seen a lot of, a lot of statistics or a lot of claims that, um, that the millennial generation is worse off than the prior one. And I wonder, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I wonder how, how connected that is to this kind of um, institutionalized training rather than the training to just simply um, provide value. Because like I said, I think the, the um, you can be anything, go pursue what you want is, is perfectly fine if it's tempered with the understanding that that doesn't mean that what you want necessarily has market value or right. that other people are interested in it. It's just you like satisfying 
what you want, you know, Cause, because because yeah. those are just all those are like connected in people's in people's minds, you know, like right. what they enjoy and someone paying them have just have been like fused. And uh, I I think that's clearly erroneous, you know, and hasn't. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost like the, the mark, like the market thing was like deliberately avoided, you know, because it seems so obvious. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, like yeah. maybe what you like isn't gonna uh, make you like um, wealthy or be able to sustain, you know, like uh, or provide for a family or whatever. But you know, like there, there was, it, it's almost like the warning of following your dreams and whatever was like avoided, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it seems the connection seems so obvious, or you know. Yeah, but it, it's. It's weird. Like when something is the status quo, it it's hard to question. Um, not, not as in like because one doesn't want to, although that can be a thing. But it doesn't even occur to you that the world can right. be structured differently. You know, you're a kid. You just go to school. Like I, you know, it never would have occurred to me that life could somehow be structured that didn't that wasn't that that wasn't you go to school and then uh, and then you go to college, and so. Yeah. Even though I think when you look at look at it objectively, uh, this way of structuring society, at least when you examine the micro level of like what the hour to hour, minute to minute, like how that time is spent in public school, that mm-hmm. the structure seems so asinine. And then like the cost of university versus what's like what you're actually paying for versus right. I, or and then in, include like what you're paying for being well how much can you now produce what can you go because I mean let me tell you with my like liberal arts degree in philosophy and poli sci like maybe I read some cool books and I, I learned a few things but um, what skills do I now have uh, that I didn't have before uh, that's that's pretty much zero my friend yeah yeah. <laughs> And you know, and uh, and another and another thing that sort of goes along with that is that the I mean to sort of maybe even your point more clearly is is that like between what actually happens when you're out there in the in the world doing stuff and the what you're doing in a classroom setting is mm-hmm. totally worlds apart and and even sort of uh, contradictory to one another, you know. Yeah, like sitting in a class doesn't look anything like being out there in the world and producing something, or you know, selling your labor to someone, or you know, it does They look, they're told, they're just different universes, you know. So it's like even if someone had said, like, here's the way, you know, here's why this is important and this is the way to go, it, the the that is that's not being uh, modeled whatsoever. In fact, it's like it's almost the opposite of it, you know. Yes. Yeah, and it almost seems like that structure is, if nothing else, conducive to keeping a person in a room, <laughs> like the exact opposite of going out and. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It, it's just like a, like a kennel. I don't know. It's like when I hear the, the vaunted praise with which people speak about public education, I it just makes me wonder if they ever were in it themselves or if. Uh, maybe they had like an unusually awesome experience where all of their teachers like really cared and were super smart or something like that. Right. Or, or, or like, maybe they're just, they're just, 
maybe they're just measuring it by different metrics. Like they, you know, they um, they got sort of like their their uh, social, so they had like social um, status or whatever, you know. Right. So, yeah. Well, that, but, yeah. I think in actuality, that's what's going on. This is this is just like yeah. the uber charitable mind is like how is your Right. You're not doing any, you know, I mean, first of all, humans learn best in short spurts. So, like, to give little kids more or less a full-time job, uh, you know, by having to be in this place for, like, eight hours, you already know most of that time is going to be wasted. Most of it is going to be babysitting. I mean, that's what it is, you know. It's state-sponsored babysitting. Right. And then, like, all all of the things that go on that aren't actual learning that uh, also have very little to do with like the productive world. It's so weird to me that, that in the, like, you know, the honors courses or whatever. um, I mean, what did we do? We were like reading Hemingway, although not really reading it. We're like trying to skip homework and cheat on tests as much as everybody else. But, you know, doing that and like uh, the, the, the quote unquote dumb kids are learning like real skills, like, yeah, yeah. Something, and it's it's really um, yeah. The only explanation, well, maybe not the only one, but either either things were just way incorrectly valued and based on like uh, an old world kind of mindset, or mm-hmm. um, or the architects architects of it just just had a, a you know a stupidly ivory tower like outlook of. I, it's just so weird that you can get through 12 years that are ostensibly dedicated to learning and think about how much a high school graduate knows. You know what I mean? When when someone graduates high school, is that how we think of it? Like, wow, you've spent 12 years focusing on nothing but learning. You must know how to do so much. <laughs> no, like, we all know that's not the case. High school kids yeah. just they're just kids. Like you graduate high school and you're still just a kid that doesn't know anything. So like, what were you doing that whole? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean the the contrast of between uh, that and like if if you're in a position where you've actually like um, sunk some time and in and energy and resources into actually learning something is um, like the the contrast there is you just know like if you've ever learned something uh thoroughly or developed a skill you just know how different that looks than being talked at for you know yeah however many hours at, at a time you just well, like this night and day. yeah while i was in high school is when i was like teaching myself guitar you know right. so that's like one the only <laughs> things i actually learned are things that i had to like apply my mind to learning uh, <laughs> right and, and even i mean so you take already what is like this uh i, I think like pretty harmful um uh, structure or at least at the very best it's just neutral it's just like babysitting and then yeah. life is still up to whatever you choose to uh to do with it so you already have that and then on top of it um uh, and i'm not trying to like throw public school teachers or any of my former ones under the bus is like horrible people, but they're they're just people. They're just average people with jobs. It's not like these were the intellectuals, you know, believe me, I was never like faced with a challenging concept, you know, or like a new worldview to wrestle with in public school. No, you like, 
you read chapter one and you do all the odd problems in the back and you turn them in tomorrow. Like that, that's, you know, and yeah. in some instances it's people that, um, that I think are really ill-equipped that that's because that's even just the average case, you know, and like right. there are good case scenarios where there are teachers that like are truly intellectual people and actually making some progress. I'm not saying those people don't exist, you know, they do. But then you can go to the other end of the spectrum where I think of like the band director that I had for the last two years of high school. What was his name? Uh, Or her name? Mr. Jacobs. Terrible person. And he, I mean, I don't know if he still is, but he certainly was. So like, even like we would have these free days, you know, where maybe we weren't rehearsing anything in particular. And so I would engage my musical curiosity and go into one of the practice rooms where the upright bass was school's property so like you know my parents are paying for it whatever and like i'm fiddling around on the upright trying to just explore you know musical instruments every time he would find me in there he would just kick me out and lock the door it's just like what are you even you're a music educator like what the hell are you even doing you know yeah but yeah as as a kid i don't have that frame of mind so i just like oh man i got caught but now i like i retroactively just want to go like smack him in the face you know (laughs) Yeah, which uh, would be poetic justice because I, I I think he ended up having some domestic situations, but I don't know. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, I want to be. I don't want to be technically responsible for slander in some corner of the internet. So we'll. <laughs> right. Hey, that's yeah, that's good. That that remind that uh that um, um that fantasy of going back and finding the you know uh uh like. A quote-unquote educated or you know some bully or something that was pushing you around and, and like just uh taking doing some justice uh reminds me of um uh todd reese and uh my idea for um for a retribution tour <laughs> where or we call it the dead tours. basically we just run to uh every show promoter and um you know uh quote-unquote headlining or like stiffed us and, and we just go maybe we play we just go with you know a couple of buddies and and, and just go rush some people up for a couple of weeks <laughs> you don't even play any sets. Yeah. it's just it's an actual revenge tour yeah it's a revenge the retribution tour <laughs> Man, we'd, uh... we'd find that guy Jamie in, uh, in Fort Smith Arkansas and just go that was a yeah, that was a crazy story. I feel like after we uh, linked up on the similar details of the the Shady Jamie story, I have yeah. this vague memory of, like, a, another rando band that I had encountered that that played at that venue, and that I and they shared a similar one. But I, I wish I could remember specifically. I think, yeah, I think you told me the details of that. Just for people listening who might not know it. Oh, I don't want to, like, get, do the whole story, but me and my buddy Todd Reese played at this place in in Arkansas, and uh, they, the promoter of this place, um, uh, there were details where, like he, he, like he said, it was his birthday, and then we had some friends who were playing there, like less than half a year later, and then they also were celebrating his birthday that night, and then also, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, at one point in the night when I was like going to like settle up at the end of the evening, you know, we were supposed to get a certain like percentage of of the door sales or whatever. And this guy 
was he saw me walking toward him and he literally turned around and ran away inside to go like hide and I had to like run after him and say that like, blows hey, my mind. hey like yeah <laughs> I mean it was just so shady and then yeah other people had you know stories about you know sim- similar stories about just weird stuff that happened in that place and yeah well, there was some uh, yeah so that was just one one example of somebody we would go visit vengeance on on the retribution <laughs> tour I have, I have this recollection of uh, having left yogurt in the fridge too when we left there. So, bastard probably ate my yogurt on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. So. Well, what else is new? We've uh, we've cast aspersions on public school for a while, deservedly so, I think. Hey, yeah. Not that. Let's see. You know, disclaimer: not that it's responsible for my problems or my decisions. But it does suck, and I would have been better off without it. Uh, that's my yep. contention. But anyway, um, that's a good. Uh, what else, that's good what else is on your mind? Conclusion there. Well, um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know how much you've uh, like been tuned into this uh, uh, Jordan Peterson phenomenon, but um, oh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty closely, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, yeah. The initial, the initial wave, and then kind of initial wave of interviews. And then like backlash, and then I want to say maybe it reached a bit of stability where he almost seemed to just kind of be doing a bit of an interview circuit. And then the Lindsey Shepard thing happened recently, and um, at least as far as my perception goes, which uh, you know my view of the of the news and media world is through like Twitter and YouTube and whatnot. But as far as my perception that seemed to kind of like reignite the same right. uh, it's, issues it's spiked, and it's spiked again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I found just sort of from listening to his, like, uh, you know, I, I, I got, um, like a little swept up and just following that whole thing for a while too. But then, you know, I kind of went down, uh, the YouTube, uh, rabbit hole and, and was listening to older, um, lectures that he'd given and, Things like that, okay. and then I listened to the whole series of his like uh, his like biblical lectures, which I found were really fascinating. I um, listened to some of that, not not yeah. not uh, yeah. a great portion, but yeah. right, they're all there. Some of them are pretty long, but um, yeah, yeah um, I, it was when I was doing this cleaning job where I would just I would for a couple hours, you know, Monday through Friday, I'd go and clean like commercial spaces um, after right, right. after hours. And so I consumed a lot of podcasts during that time. But um, yeah, him him talking about I've been kind of trying to catch up on some of his uh, reading list recommendations. And so oh, I've been yeah. reading a little bit of Nietzsche and um, and uh, revisiting those. Revisiting what was that? Uh, revisiting uh, Dostoevsky. So oh, okay. From the underground. Right. Um, uh, it was sorry. You're, you're cutting not not to uh, disrupt the flow, but you're oh, cutting sorry. out pretty severely at this point. Is something uh, going on on your end? There's something weird. Um, it's just maybe the room I'm in or something. Well, it's like in the middle of this building, so it doesn't get great reception here. Oh, okay. Yeah, There's so just a fast. weird, a weird like I don't know. The government helicopters are flying around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. We start talking about something that's important and interesting, and then the 
the NSA is tapping into her. Anyway. So dumb. Um, he wrote me on her gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, as a sort of quick uh, r- r- uh, rabbit trail off of that, I, I also um, I also just in the last couple of days of uh, day. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting you. I'm sorry. Oh, that's good. Um, I can hear you, but um, yeah, I, I read these books. This uh, this pair of books called SJWs Always Lie and SJWs Always Double Down. Oh, okay. And um, so that that sort of correlates a little bit with the, the Jordan Peterson thing because there was like that he got attacked by this wave of you know. Um, oh yeah. Those, uh, yeah. Leftists or whatever, but um, so. Uh, anyway, so that that's been the last couple of days, but I wanted to sort of get back to the Jordan Peterson thing because um, I that's been that's been it's interesting because I I just in the last couple of years kind of uh, officially or deliberately departed from um, from Christianity as something that I've like I mean I think I've internalized a lot of the values of that world, but yeah, um, yeah. but rejected yeah. some of the Sort of uh, intellectual, uh, or, or um, so, some of the claims, I guess, ma- the primary claims of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and now, like, sort of having this, uh, I, what, what would you call it? Um, this influence back that 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 sort of promoting the importance of, I guess, some of the um, archetypal. Uh, importance of of some i guess some of the imagery in christianity and and a couple of other world religions too but um particularly christianity as pertains to like uh the western civilization and sort of thing has been mm-hmm. a bit, a challenge that i've been kind of wrestling with again recently and i i don't know exactly where you you are on that uh the sort of the, but it's something that's been rolling around my brain a little bit last um Well, um, I can say that my uh, exodus from Christianity, pun intended, was uh, pretty stoic um, in that, I mean, probably all relating to the same, like what I was talking about before, before a very like comfortable, leisurely life that for me, uh, Christianity it was just what I was brought up in. And so I was doing it because I was convinced that it was true, you know, and I felt confident that it was true, not because I had a problem that it was solving, which I think is the case for a lot of people who are in like emotional distress or, um, you know, have addictions or just kind of situations in life where uh, like a, a theology uh, or a, a kind of narrative about the universe and then people there to support you can be very helpful in getting you through uh, painful emotions or even just being, uh, I guess, I don't mean this too like diminutively, but being kind of a crutch for yeah. the, the core human fears, you know, assuaging the fear of death and the um, dissatisfaction at an unjust world that, you know, that people yeah. are going to get theirs in the end, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, you know, 
since I just kind of grew up in it, but had a, a very satisfied life, um, my my exit really just came because as I was growing up, and um, I uh, maybe partially due to like uh, you know having studied philosophy or having that kind of frame of mind. Um, a really, a simplest way to put it is I I just was I realized that I could no longer honestly be certain that it was true. And it was really right. kind of as simple as that. So I didn't like, I don't feel like I became like a different person or that any of my core values or changed or I just got to a point where it was like, if I'm being honest with myself, do I really have conclusive evidence that the Bible is true? Like, well, no, I don't. Uh, and huh, so I guess and it was, it, you know, I don't think there's any such thing as like choosing to believe. So it wasn't like I made a choice in that moment. It was more right. like I I discovered that I no longer believed it because yeah, the, yeah, the certainty yeah. was no longer there. So and I didn't even. Because, I, hmm? I, go, uh, go I don't know if you're okay. I didn't know if you were cutting out or not because it's been doing that, but. Uh, yeah, that wasn't even something I dwelt on for a long time, that moment of like, oh, no, I'm not – am I not a Christian anymore? That just kind of occurred to me, you know, about, like, the Bible. And then I sort of moved on and, like, kept doing what I was doing. Um, but, oh yeah, I mean, you know, the values are one thing, the, like, wisdom that can be gained because you still have this, you know, ancient text that's, like, the distillation of all this uh, cultural knowledge and wisdom and, like, moral lessons which has a lot of value. Um, but, you know, as far as the historicity of it, I, I don't know. Or the metaphysics yeah. of it, how am I supposed to know something like that, uh, like an all-powerful intelligence that created all things? I, you know, I have no idea. So, right. I was, I had this sort of like eureka moment kind of recently. Uh, I guess it was, it was a little while ago, but... Um, but since I've moved to Marquette, of where I was talking to my friend uh, Don Willis, who who married us, if, I don't know if how much you got to talk to him. I don't know that I did. I mean, I, I remember you know him there, obviously, but yeah, I yeah. don't know if we if we spoke really. Yeah, he's a, he's worth talking to sometime if you can if you ever come back up this way again or or and yeah, um, hopefully I will on the podcast a couple of times too, but. Um, yeah, uh, one thing that he, he said one night that sort of struck me and that I've been carrying around with me since is that um, uh, he, he's a li- he's like maybe has a bit of like a nihilistic bent a little bit, just sort of. Um, and uh, we were sort of talking about that. I I sort of view myself still, I think, as like a, mo- a moral like um, a moral being. Which I th- I think everybody is pretty much. Um, I mean, whether they're you know they, they people view themselves as being moral or at least they make moral decisions and and distinctions. Um, but uh, he was he was in that uh, we we were raised in um, similarly dogmatic uh, environments, but him so maybe to uh, to more of a degree even. Really, he's. Uh, he said, "Oh, he just kind of said off offhand, like that he had been handed such a um, a set of absurdities that that he kind of just rejected 
rejected it wholesale. Whereas um, I, I think that I, um, uh, the the values that were conveyed to me corresponded with my instincts. Like I, I felt like they were correct, but the confusing part was that the people who were conveying them to me, like uh, you know, teachers and um, and parents and uh, things like that were not necessarily right. like living according to the things that they were saying. So there was like this confusing um, uh, mashup of of uh, that that it took me a while to kind of like unwind. But like yes, this, a lot right. of things that you're saying are correct, and there's a reason that I you know. Um, they resonated with me, but uh, you're not doing like the thing. I mean, I guess it's just a sort of like the old like hypocrisy thing or whatever. But um, but that, yeah, I was talking about that, and Don Willis said, um, "Well, yeah, maybe that's why you should look at a, like a moral person, whereas the stuff that he shown or, or taught to be true or told to accept was was so." sort of out there, you know, in terms of, like, it's just, it's dogmatism and it's, it's you know, hard-headed resistance to rationality, I guess, or something that, that um, he just kind of rejected it wholesale. And, like, and at, there, a, at a like, pretty young age, he did? Yeah, he said, like, when, I think he said, like, either when he was, like, nine or ten or something like that. Okay, he, you know, and some he, people have those experiences. Right, right, right. I think I read the same thing about uh, about Ayn Rand, or maybe maybe it was in an interview. She said that, and I, yeah, it, it's like um, for whatever reason, some people are equipped with that frame of mind to just hear a thing, even when they're really young, and be like, mm, yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. Yeah, yeah. Don, one of the first times I talked to Don, he said that he would uh, he would go out and. And like, uh, tr- like, cause he was interested in in magic or something, so he would go and try to do these like magic rituals in the forest. <laughs> like, whoa! Uh, when he was like, bare, like when he was like eleven or twelve, something like that, because he had he had like he had like rejected uh, Christianity, so he's like, well, what's the opposite of this? I guess it's magic or something. I'm, I'm probably doing a disservice by like you know like boiling that down too much or something, but I think that was generally the the idea. <laughs> and, instead yeah, of Christianity, he's like, I guess uh, I'll, just, I'll practice magic. <laughs> D&D is like the one true religion. <laughs> right. And that, that reminded me of, a, this is a story I've told a couple times recently, but I, I remembered that there was this girl, um, Sam, that I was sort of hanging out with, uh, wait, wait, like I think when I was like fourteen, thirteen or fourteen, something like that, and uh, we we went to a coffee shop, and uh, she was like a Wiccan, and she tried to cast a uh, a cooling spell on my coffee. Are you serious? Yeah, and um, and of course, that's, I mean, that's really neat though because that's like trying to put some legs to your right. like, goofy mysticism. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. a real a cooling spell. That's that's getting close to the kind of thing that would just be in Final Fantasy or something. Right, right. Not any of this, not any of this hokey. It's all symbolism. Just like, no, I'm gonna cast Ice One right now. Here we go. And then like, okay, obviously, you know, it's not real and nothing happens. But I applaud yeah. the effort. 
I, yeah, I, I thought I thought I sort of thought the same thing too. And I mean, she, if I remember right, I think she said something like, "Oh, it didn't work. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, or something like that." <laughs> like, like a weird, weird thing to say. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's not very magical. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes if we're outside and it's really cold, it tends to work a little better. <laughs> Speaking of magical things that don't work, um, did you see Star Wars The Last Jedi? No, I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen that or Rogue One e- either. Okay, see, you know, a lot of people hate Rogue One because it was kind of like, the characters didn't have much depth. Somehow, I still felt it as I was watching, like, uh, that story. It just – I felt the characters' motivations and everything. And not to say that it was, like, some great work of art, but, you know, it was it was pretty it was pretty decent. Um, boy, The Last Jedi was awful. But that's not to, you know <laughs> – I mean, you can make your own uh, evaluation. But I will say uh, I did go see um, – the Shape of Water, like a couple of days after that Guillermo del Toro movie, mm, mm. that was awesome. You should check that one out. Yeah, I, I will. The Shape of Water. I think I saw a trailer for it a while ago, but I, I don't even know the anything. So, I don't know um, what the like standard length is here. I mean, I'm having fun, but um, there's a couple other things I wouldn't mind. You know hearing your take on or whatever. It's, oh, sure. Let's get into it. Depending on whether or not whether or not you need to wrap up soon. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of a beast you want to be uploading. But, um, so, okay, I can I can always just turn it in. Oh, sure, sure. Well, the two, like, kind of big things, I guess, going on both popularly and just in my world is, like, one is, you know, net neutrality, which is something that everyone was, has been squawking about. And then the other... Um, which I, I'm curious how much um, you like. You've you've been playing music locally, but since you haven't been touring and stuff for a while, I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much of this kind of reaches your world. But um, as a sort of uh, like tendril coming off of the the Harvey Weinstein stuff, all mm-hmm. of the music scene uh, like quote unquote sexual misconduct callouts. Is that something that you've like encountered up in your area? Is that a part of where you're at? Well, uh, let's say this: out like uh, where I live right now is is probably the most. Um, I hate using this term because I don't think it is, but the probably the most progressive area that I've ever lived in. I would say even more than like Nashville, um, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. though like West Lafayette is more like that than most other places in Indiana. So uh, there there is. I mean, there's like kind of an undercurrent of that around here because um, so, but I've kind of mostly just tried to stay out of the whole, you know, debate about it just for terms of kind of uh, like protecting this little um, oasis uh, I have going on. <laughs> right. I mean, right. the the part the part of me that that wants to kind of get in there and into the into the fray. Restrain at least for the time being. Um, so okay. I, I I haven't um, been engaged with it too much, but I do know that it seems like it has um, increased 
in the last couple of years, huh? And like I still like my my little my um, little like forays into it. Um, I, I do catch these kind of glimpses that you know I don't know, I guess you could say an undercurrent of, of um that sort of thing. But but I I want to hear kind of your you've alluded to it a couple of times in our conversations like on Facebook yeah. or something that um about like. You,
rape apologist or something. Right. Um, and, and that, I mean, that's new, right? That wasn't how things were before. Um, yeah. And also, and also this weird standard of, um, and this relates to kind of the, the Jordan Peterson stuff. Um, there's this whole thing with power imbalances that like, if there's a quote unquote power imbalance, which I don't know how you're supposed to scientifically determine whether or not that exists or if it has a clear definition, but right. if there is such a thing, then um, consent is impossible, even apparently if you are a fully capable adult moral agent. Uh, right. Of course, they wouldn't articulate it in those terms, but that that new spin like when that kind of stuff started, I used to think it was just um, normal, like youthful indignation. You know, when you're a kid, you're like really passionate about a new thing that you find out about. I'm like, oh well, this is just kids getting getting overly passionate about something. But then I saw right. it for real, harming people's lives, and that, yeah. that it was the change of like, oh my god, okay, something actually dangerous might be happening. Um, right. You know, I I I do I think it's the the expression of this is new. Um like just maybe since in the past 6 7 years and definitely like it seems like it's escalating. But mm-hmm. um I think the the seeds of that were probably planted uh like you know 20 plus years ago. Okay. And where this has been kind of like germinating, and now we're seeing the the, the flower, the 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 bitter fruit, you know, ripening in mm. and go back to our conversation um, about like public education earlier. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of this has sort of uh, taken root. Yeah. Well, because they the people who have made really imbibed instead of instead of just doing kind of what you just like I go and just people who are 